Open your Bibles, please. Mark chapter 7. If you've been around us for the last few weeks, you'll recognise that we're going through our Unstoppable God series. We're looking at the healing miracles of Jesus through the Gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, these eyewitness accounts of the life and times of Jesus. We've been enjoying probably over about 10 Sundays now these incredible stories. Um, Let's read the passage uh, and then we'll work through today's story. Mark chapter 7. I'll pick up where Ken left off last week um, in uh, verse 31. When Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his finger into the man's ears. Then he spat and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh he said, Ephaphtha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you that already this morning as we've worshipped you, you've said you're a God that wants to build us up. We thank you for that picture of scaffold around us. You only intend to strengthen us and protect us and do us good. We thank you. You've encouraged us to draw into you, to take hold of you again. We thank you. You've encouraged us to keep asking, keep knocking. We thank you. You're a God who loves to pour out his spirit on us. And so we pray, would you just release faith afresh in our hearts, Lord? Even those of us who've said, not in my life. It can't happen with me. There won't be breakthroughs around me. We pray, oh God, over these next few minutes, just release a fresh gift of faith in our hearts, we pray. God, continue to do amazing, unstoppable things amongst us. We pray there'll be, even from this morning, things that you open up in our lives and our families and our homes and our workplaces as a a result of our encounters with you today. In Jesus' name, we agree together. Amen. 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 So this uh, story, Jesus finds himself again coming into the Decapolis, these 10 towns. If you were looking at a map, you'd see Israel, but within Israel, this kind of league of free cities that are um, uh, kind of have self-rule, separate from Israel, very influenced by Greek culture and the Greek gods. It's a kind of mixed place um, as they worship Greek gods and all kinds of other things. Last time we saw Jesus here, I think just before Easter, he crossed to the south side of Lake Galilee. Uh, He didn't walk across the lake like Chris did yesterday. He took the conventional way in the boat. Um, Chris, you're supposed to run around it. Um, And last time we saw him there, he was setting free the man who was so demonized he was living amongst the tombs, the man that was formerly known as Legion, um, but but last was seen sitting in, in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. And here we have, back in the Decapolis, verse 32, a deaf man is brought to Jesus. He's probably not been deaf since birth, since it seems he could speak a little bit, albeit with a speech impediment. It may be, and I, I know some, some people I know who've, who uh, are deaf or are very hard of hearing, they may be able to speak, but they choose not to because they feel awkward about how their voice sounds. People have, uh, have, uh, have embarrassed them over the years. It gives them unwarranted attention. Maybe he could speak quite well, but just chose not to. Certainly this man is another of the many that we find in these stories week after week who comes to Jesus as one who is largely outside of his community. In, in the, under Jewish law, a deaf man would not be considered to be able to be educated. Uh, and therefore, um, there are things that he can't do. He can't own property. 
He, he can't um, be called to give testimony as a, as a witness in a court of, of law. One thing we've got to get in these stories, friends, is that time after time, uh, Jesus goes to the ones that are outside of community, whether it's the leper, whether it's the demonized man, whether it's the, the, the woman who's been bleeding for, for years and has been put outside, whether it's the Syro-Phoenician woman from a Gentile background that Ken preached about last week, whether it's this man here, a deaf man, probably from a non-Jewish background. Jesus goes out to the outsider, the rejected, those who've been judged unworthy to be part of God's people, those who've judged themselves unworthy to be able to take part. He relentlessly goes after them and he brings them into family. In doing so, right through these stories, he always upsets the religious and the ones who've kept the rules and would like to keep the doors shut to such people. I'm so glad I'm preaching to wide open doors behind Tim this morning. That's a Jesus kind of way. The doors are open. The kingdom of God is going to spread and grow everywhere. There's nowhere closed. There's nowhere too far. There's no one too broken. There's nobody too smashed up by sin. In the kingdom of God, the outsiders become the insiders. The lost become the found and the last become the first. That's how it works. Thankfully, there are some friends here of this man who bring this outsider to Jesus. We see this again in some of these stories, don't we? The man lowered through the roof by his friend, paralyzed on his mat. We all need friends like this. Friends who will stand in the gap for us. Friends who will pray for us. Friends who will say, don't give up, come to church again, we'll pray for you. Friends who will support you and stand with you. That's why we, we do stuff like small groups. So we're, we're, uh, when we get to this coming September after the summer, we'll relaunch our new small groups, extra additional small groups to handle growth. We've got a whole summer ahead before we get to the autumn. We wouldn't want anyone to feel like they are not connected with friends who can pray for them, bring them before Jesus, do them good. Even if you're waiting till September to join a new small group and you're new amongst us, don't wait till then. Check some out. Find some friends. Get alongside some people who can do you good. And perhaps we should ask the question this morning as well, who am I being that kind of friend for? Is there someone that I'm daily lifting up to the Lord Jesus? Is there someone I'm standing in the gap for? Is there someone that, that I'm calling out to Jesus on their behalf so that he will not pass them by in their time of need? The way we're trying to do church, we, we haven't got a complicated strategy. A kingdom strategy is quite simple. We talk a lot about love Jesus, love one another, love Crawley. It, it really is that, that simple. And, and a, a church that loves Jesus and out of that love for Jesus, loves one another, kind of looks like this. Friends that bring you to Jesus in your moment of need. We've got a number of people, Justin said about our Connect course, next two Sundays, a number of people that are joining to us at the moment. If, if you're joining with us, this is what you're joining in with. A church that loves Jesus, but loves one another. We're going to care, we're going to pray, we're going to lift each other up. Let me hear an amen, please. Thank you, well done. Let's just read the actual, uh, the, the, the kind of nugget of the story. Verse 33. This deaf man is brought to Jesus. He took him aside, away from the crowd. Jesus puts his fingers in the man's ears and he spat, touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven with a deep sigh. He said to him, Ephatha. I want to sound like Gandalf when I say that, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. This is more than just another healing miracle. The, the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, know that these kinds of stories for, for the Jewish reader and the Jewish listener are loaded in that they tell them something that they should know as first century Jews about the character and the nature of the kind of Messiah that they should expect. 
And there was something very significant about the kind of Messiah who would come to open the ears of the deaf. One of the precious promises that they would have known and memorized and hung on to is from Isaiah 35. I think it's a great promise for what God's already said this morning. Strengthen feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. So the promise goes on. If you want a Messiah job description, there it is in Isaiah 35. Jesus takes it on and he delivers. Right at the start of his ministry, we looked back earlier, didn't we, where, uh, where he unrolls a later part of the Isaiah prophecy in the scroll. Uh, about the Spirit of God being given to him to proclaim the good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, to release the captives. Jesus says, in your hearing, these promises are now being fulfilled. Jesus is the deliverer of the messianic promises. Time after time, we find then in these stories that people don't just marvel at his words, but they marvel that he delivers on the Messiah promises as well. He has not just words, but authority and power to set people free. Jesus doesn't disappoint. He's not like my team yesterday as I sat at Brighton Stadium with people who had unfurled banners proclaiming the champions uh, before the game and then with five minutes to go were rolling up those champion banners, putting them under their arms and walking dejectedly out of the stadium. Jesus doesn't get us all to turn up, build up the hype and then disappoint us. Jesus is the one that speaks words and then has the authority to deliver and bring them through and open the eyes of the blind and cause the lame to leap for joy and all the other messianic promises that he never fails to disappoint in. He takes this man aside. Some things we can learn here as well. We're learning lots every week about how do we pray for the sick? How do we minister healing as followers of Jesus? We've learned about the nature of faith, the importance of faith. We're learning about how to pray, when to give commands, when to discern this is a need for deliverance from demonic oppression. But in all our learning, we don't want to miss some real simple things. There's real love and compassion of Jesus here in this story for broken people. Let's not miss that in our rush to learn some principles about how to pray. Paul, The Apostle Paul says later, if, if we don't have love, then all the other amazing spiritual gifts that operate in our lives, they're just like clanging symbols. They're out of, out of tune, out of time. Friends, how, how we treat people, vulnerable, broken people, is far more valuable and important and the, getting the correct form of words in the way that we pray for those who are sick. In, in our culture here, in this church in Crawley, we're, we're trying imperfectly to learn how to honour people. Everyone, even those the world despises, those that have written themselves off. We're recognising the scriptures tell us that we are men and women, all of us made in the image of God. Uh, however spoiled by sin and all the mess of our lives that may be, people begin to come alive when we honour them as people made in the image of God, when we recognise there's something in them that is so precious and valuable which God has made. And this gets expressed, I think, physically here in this story. Even amongst the crowds, Jesus takes this guy, takes him aside, takes him away from the crowd. It's really important that he gets time with this man rather than just, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, like the kind of TV evangelist in the white suit. You never see Jesus operate in that way. He always has time for people, especially for a deaf guy who must have been overwhelmed, you know, kind of sensory stuff, trying to work out what was going on. 
If you've ever had tea and coffee down in our cafe, which is a work in progress, and you have any kind of hearing trouble, it's really hard amongst all the noise and the, it's a good English word, for those of you not, not British, kerfuffle. Um, love that word. I'll write that down for you, Roberto. Um, amongst all the kerfuffle, it's really hard to hear and, and perceive what's going on. I think Jesus is just concerned about the dignity of this precious man made in the image of God, and so he takes him aside. He always takes time from the pressing crowds. The woman we were reminded about this morning in worship who was healed after touching the hem of his garment in the crowd, he, he stopped and took time with her. He got down in the dust and the dirt with the woman caught in adultery. He stopped and had a drink with the woman at the well in John 4. The story we heard a few weeks ago, he sends the crowds of mourners out of Jairus' house just to be with uh, Jairus and his wife and his three disciples as he raises the little girl up in Mark chapter 5. So we read these kinds of stories. May we learn nothing else other than to treat people with honour and dignity, people loved by God, rather than just rush to pray our prayers and move on to the next one. I think that needs an amen as well. And how do we grow in this healing area, particularly in, in healing with ears and deafness? Kaz and I were chatting earlier in the week when I was first looking at this, this story and You'll have heard me mention before, I've got a list on my iPad and formerly in a notebook um, of the healing miracles that I've seen and been involved in probably since I was about 19 or 20 years old. Great big long list. It's got much longer in more recent years. It's really exciting. But I, I, I was saying to Kaz, I, I don't remember too many healing miracles with, with deaf ears. I look back on Thursday through my um, list and there haven't been that, that many actually. Um, 2012, I was teaching at a, our first... Um, uh, churches Together conference in Romania, in, in Brasov, beautiful city in Brasov, and we, we saw some amazing healing miracles. And I, I, I prayed with three people who were deaf that week um, in May 2012, and, and, and all three of them were, were remarkably immediately healed. Two of them had uh, uh, quite big, solid hearing aid contraptions. They, they took them off and didn't need them anymore. They were immediately set free. Uh, the only other one I've got on my list was uh, a year later, July 2013. You remember I was preaching up in Harrow just after we left East Grinstead, just before we started here, and as a lady came forward who, who was deaf in one ear, we prayed for her. Again, immediately her ear opened. I, I've, only got, I've only got four on my list, and, uh, and my list started 25 years ago. So this is an area where, since I discovered that on my list, I've been saying, oh God, we need some breakthroughs here in this area, please. How do we pray for deaf ears? Are oh, there some formulas? There's another story of a deaf man healed in Matthew 9, 32. He also doesn't speak. In, in that story, Jesus heals him by discerning it's an evil spirit that's the root cause of the deafness. And he drives out, forcefully drives out the evil spirit. Here in this story, it seems that Jesus recognizes that the problem with the guy's hearing is, a, is an organic one rather than a spiritual one. He doesn't rebuke a spirit in this story. Um, there's nothing binding the man up in that way. He gives a command for healing. And again, what are we learning through these stories? We're learning there aren't formulas that we can apply when we pray for healing. There's a very precious spiritual gift that charismatic churches like us have perhaps undervalued over the years, and that is the spiritual gift of discernment. And we desperately need the Lord to help us to grow in the spiritual gift of discernment. Um, just because this sickness was demonic the last time we saw it doesn't mean that every time we now pray for it in that way. The Bible manages to hold together this amazing worldview of spiritual uh, and physical. Uh, and both seem to be interlinked realities. Jesus is able to release his authority into both 
of those realms. But we need the Holy Spirit to help us to discern which realm we are praying into and to discern how to pray. And friends, honestly, sometimes we just don't know. Um, Janet Tidy and I prayed uh, last Sunday, didn't we, with a, a lovely Ukrainian lady. Uh, and um, uh, she didn't have really any English. and We don't have any Ukrainian, uh, and uh, funnily enough. And uh, so we didn't know what she was asking Jesus to do uh, after the sermon as people came forward. So we just, we just prayed for her. We blessed her. We welcomed the presence and the authority of King Jesus in the absence of any language. We just prayed that way for a, a few moments. She managed to communicate afterwards over uh, out in the, the corridor that, that immediately as we began to pray, um, Jesus released her from long-standing pain in her shoulder, all down her right-hand side. We weren't even able to discern what to pray. So don't get too hung up on discernment. Even when you don't know, we just need to welcome the presence and the authority of Jesus in the absence of language and understanding, and he's able to do the rest. Before we move to our application, let's just, we can't miss talking about the weird stuff in this passage, can we? And it is weird, isn't it? It's strange. It's a very physical healing miracle. Um, I was once in a taxi in Brashoff, and the taxi driver stopped the car and shoved his finger into the ear of one of my friends who was travelling with me. That was really weird. He wasn't praying for him. I think he was having some kind of breakdown. But apart from that, I've never seen, I've never seen anyone do the like of this before. Uh, a finger in the ear, spitting. Um, again, we find Jesus doing the spitting thing only one other time. Uh, the healing of the blind man at, at, at uh, Bethsaida. He, he spits in the dust. Uh, and, and puts the dust on the man's eyes and he's healed. This is unusual. And again, if we're learning some things about how to minister healing, it's a good, we'd say in English, a good rule of thumb, a good rule for us. It, it may be that from time to time, when we are sure from our discernment gift from the Holy Spirit that it's right to do something unusual when God speaks, but those unusual things don't become our norm, our normal model. This wasn't Jesus' normal model. Have you noticed when the guys bring the deaf man to Jesus, they bring him, I think it's verse 32, in order that he can lay his hands on them. That's what they were expecting. Why were they expecting Jesus to lay hands on him? Because that's what Jesus normally did. I know if you lay hands on, he'll get healed. That's what they thought would happen. That's the norm. This this finger poking and spitting business is not the normal. They expected hands laid on. They got spit. We've seen a few unusual things, but the unusual stuff doesn't become... The norm. I've, I've prayed for, and we've seen loads of breakthrough with eye problems and vision problems over the years, seen some real healing, but I, I've, I've never done anything too weird. I love the old Smith Wigglesworth story, the healing evangelist. Um, he once took a, called up a row of people who had eyesight problems. He got them all to stand on the platform uh, with him. About, uh, apparently there were about 20 people. He told them to take off their glasses and put them on the floor in front of them. And then he walked along the platform saying, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus stamping on their glasses. Now, that's unusual. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's also quite courageous, because if you've discerned wrong, then you're going to have a, a bill at the opticians to sort some things out. That's unusual faith in the moment that, that the law must have quickened in Smith Wigglesworth's heart. But if you read his stories, it wasn't his usual model. He prayed for thousands of people with eyesight problems, but that's the only time we read about that story where he stamped on people's glasses. So as we pray in a few moments, we're not going to start spitting on anyone or poking anyone's ears. We can follow the normal ways that Jesus works. I think these physical signs have other value as well. I wonder with this this deaf man, whether this physical, very physical act that Jesus kind of plays out might have helped him, like like a form of sign language, I guess, 
for a man who wouldn't have otherwise understood all the, all the nuances, all the stuff that was being communicated, the things being spoken about him and around him. Could, could it be a very physical way of Jesus helping this guy come to faith and understand what he was doing? Was, he, was it another step of honoring this man, of helping to increase his faith? As he, as he touches his, his ear, yeah, I'm going to heal you here. As he touches his tongue, yeah, that's going to get loosed as well. Rather than this looking like some strange mystical ritual, it's, it's actually, I think, extraordinarily ordinary. It's very earthed and rooted. Um, Jesus puts his own spit on his own dirty finger. He touches a tongue that's bound and immediately it's loosened. He puts his finger into an ear that's stopped up. Don't miss verse 34. He looks up. I think that's another physical sign, looking heavenward for a man who can't hear his words. For a man who may not understand, what is this guy doing, touching my tongue and poking my ear? He's now demonstrating we're looking to the heavenly Father in heaven to release something in this ear and on this tongue. We find it in the, the miracles with the multiplied food as well. I think Jesus demonstrates something for the people. He didn't need to do it for himself. But it, do you remember the feeding of the 5,000 in the same way he took the, the bread and he looked up? He looked up for the benefit of the people. And then he blessed the bread and it began to multiply. He did it for the crowd so they could learn. The, the origin of this miracle is not earthbound, it's heavenbound. It's from heaven to earth. He's teaching that's where power to heal and multiply bread comes from. It's not from me and myself. I only do what I see the Father doing. Any of us can touch an ear or touch a tongue. But when we do so, we lift up our eyes to heaven and acknowledge that God is the healer and is ready to work, then an expectancy gets unlocked and power is released and things begin to happen. Here's this, this command, ephaphtha, be opened. Mark translates it. Again, if you're making notes in these, this sermon series, how do I pray for healing? You won't have many notes on the how do I pray for healing bit. Jesus just gives commands all the time. They're not very good prayers. They're not even prayers. He just commands. He's got all authority. We've said that time after time. Be opened. Another way Mark, particularly Mark's gospel, he uses these Aramaic words that, that Jesus spoke. It was like his local dialect. Um, words that outsiders wouldn't have understood. It's very personal. It's very intimate, the way that Jesus speaks. Mark 3, 17, with his, when he's first calling his friends, the disciples. He, he, did you know Jesus gives his friends nicknames? It was real friendship. They weren't following him around like automatons, like robots. He gave them nicknames. There's a little... Um, uh, Aramaic word, Boanerges, he calls uh, James and John the sons of thunder, Mark translates it. These are, it's a lovely little uh, Aramaic word. Mark 5, 41, the, the children are doing this one down the corridor in kids' church today, uh, where Jesus raises Jairus' daughter, and as he takes her by the hand, he uses the tender Aramaic phrase, talita kum, little girl, get up. Mark records Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he's about to be arrested and killed on the cross. He says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. That, that tender word, Abba, that, that, that's just so rooted in intimacy between him and his heavenly Father. And then, of course, famously on the cross, Mark 15, 34, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which Mark translates for us from Aramaic, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he took my place and your place on the cross, died under the weight of our sin. He cried out in his local dialect to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And friends, just to spoil the plot, he forsook his son in that moment 
so that the likes of you and I could be added in as Jesus died on the cross. We've been, we get this lovely insight in Mark's gospel into Jesus, this intimate, childlike, simple prayer language that he speaks. The Father loves those kinds of, of prayers. We see it in the way Mark records Jesus' prayers. We can pray in the same way. I love Romans 8. This is another sermon for another time. But by the, by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship, Romans 8 calls it, we too can cry out, Abba, Father. Father, dear Father, as the Holy Spirit awakens our spirits to know the Father in the same way that Jesus knew him too. You can park that one and use it for another time. So let's get back on the script. Jesus says, Ephaphtha, with a deep sign. I can't say that without spitting. Um, but I won't say it when I pray with you in a moment. Don't worry. Um, it's like a sigh. Uh, Isaiah calls Jesus a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It's an expression of his deep compassion for the, for the mission that he's on, for the broken and the sick and the sinner. It's like a breathing out of his authority through his love to bring people to freedom. We see Jesus sighing again later on, Mark chapter 8. This time he sighs over his unbelieving generation. He's sent He's been sent to reach them, but they won't open up to him. And this time he says, Ephaphtha. I mean, the word itself is almost like a sigh, isn't it? It's a very kind of onomatopoeic word. He breathes it out. Jesus met all the troubles that he came into contact with, all the griefs of the world, with a heart which flows with love and mercy. Jesus was a joyful, happy, laughing saviour, but he was also a saviour who sighed and was carried griefs on our behalf. He wept at Lazarus's tomb, at his friend's tomb. He sighed at unbelief. In private, his prayers to the Father came under a groaning weight, um, expressing his heart for those that he longs for God to restore. Hebrews 5, 7, the writer of the he to Hebrews puts it well later, saying, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. He was heard. The sighs of Jesus have been heard. That's good news. That really is good news. God the Father who hears the Son also hears our sighs, our cries, because we are in Christ. He's heard your crying and your sighing in the night. Some of you mums who've wept at night and no one else, your husband's not even known that you've had tears on your face. God the Father has heard those prayers. He knows our secret prayers. He knows what we've breathed out to him. The God who opens things up which have been closed for too long begins to grace us with the same authority as we catch his heart in prayer and obedient action. I, I believe God has some be opened commands to speak over some of our prayers this morning. If after, be opened. Here in the story, it's a miracle. Immediately, his ears are opened. His tongue is loose. He speaks freely. It's incredible. I don't know. Uh, I'm not an ear, nose, and throat specialist. I don't know how the complex um, processes of re-establishing the communication systems between the brain and the ear, the centers of speech and hearing. I don't know how they're reconnected in that moment, but they are instantly as Jesus commands. And the man begins to speak. Verse 36, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. So just get this. Get the irony here. He's, he's commanding a man who hasn't been able to speak for years and who's immediately been healed and he's talking and everyone's talking about it. He's commanding them, don't tell anyone what's happened. That, that 
this is a man who, he only has to speak, and people say, whoa, what's happened? You don't speak. How can he not tell people what's happened? And so, of course, they tell the story all the more. Uh, and in that phrase, I think we get a little glimpse of what the gospel does. It's wonderful. Remember, the gospel's about the outsider becoming the insider, we said earlier. Remember, this deaf man under Jewish law wouldn't be trusted to bear witness to any um, attestable fact because they assumed he couldn't be educated or understand truth. And yet now this formerly deaf man is speaking plainly about Jesus. He has come into the truth. He's bearing witness to the powerful works of the Messiah in ways which no one can contest, no one can argue with uh, at all. No wonder the crowd say he is doing everything well. Um, it's a wonderful thing. The power of testimony is very important. It's one of the thrilling things over these last few weeks has been the stories we've been able to share uh, as Jesus has moved in our lives. Both what Malcolm said honestly this morning, the kind of not yet, but I'm going to keep asking, but also some of the breakthroughs we've been celebrating together. I've kept a, a list since we've been praying over these 10 Sundays we've preached these miracle stories. I've got a list of 15 healing miracles from people in this church who've, who've been healed um, as we've responded to these miracle stories. Uh, my wife just said, wow, I think one of the other things we're learning is to celebrate what God's doing. So I've got a list of 15 healing miracles over the last 10 weeks here on the iPad. Um, that, that's quite exciting, he says in an understated British kind of way. Um, our stories this summer, as, as we're saying, God, open up this summer for us as we move towards our Love Crawley outreach at the end of June. I think our stories, honestly communicated, will be one of the most powerful tools we have in opening up in people's hearts a desire to know Jesus. When someone sees the value of his work in, in, in your life or my life, where they've known we've been broken in some way, Jesus understandably begins to get attention and get glory. Um, and uh, we're going to work hard this summer at boasting an awful lot about Jesus loudly. And we're going to worship him joyfully because he is doing all things well. And we want people to know about that. And perhaps as we move to a response and pray together, let's just finish with that verse 37. The crowd say, he is doing everything well. He has done all things well, some translations say. I don't know if the crowd realized it. Um, but they're actually quoting the words of God himself. Genesis 1, 31. In the beginning, uh, God has made everything in the first six days, and then he steps back and he says, I've made everything well. I've done it. It's good. It's perfectly good. And the word good means good, as in the ultimate perfect standard of good. And, and this creation we know has been warped and spoiled by sin, but it's now being put together, back together, one life at a time by Jesus Christ, now through the cross, people around Jesus beginning to see all the things that God made good are now being made good again through the ministry and the work of, of Jesus. Now through the cross. We sang this morning, um, sin is broken. Okay, Until you come to Jesus, it's, it's you and me that are broken. But because of the cross of Christ, sin gets broken and we get put back together again and restored and declared to be good again in the eyes of God. And Jesus is still making new creations today. Paul says later, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And God calls that new creation utterly, thoroughly good. He's restoring all things. He's putting everything back right as the kingdom of God spreads and grows until the day when Jesus returns again and brings in the whole new creation. And then once again, God will declare over it all, it's really, really good and it will never be spoiled again. He really does everything well indeed. So our response today, perhaps we can stand together. You've been sitting patiently. Joe, can you come back and help us? 
perhaps a response for those of us that are not yet followers of Jesus. I know in a room like this, most of you probably are already beginning to follow Jesus, but I don't know your hearts. There may be some here today who have not yet taken that step. Well, our first application surely is to say, Lord, would you unstop our ears to understand the gospel, to know Jesus. Open our mouths to speak repentance, to say sorry to God, to turn, to live for him. Maybe God's opening up that response in one or two of you right now. Let's just concentrate for a moment. Just keep our attention on the Lord Jesus for a moment. How about you today? Are there some here who've been around for a while, following for a while, observing, listening, around Jesus, around the church? Maybe you're here for the first time today. Maybe you feel like an outsider, ashamed. Maybe you feel, I'm the kind of person God could never accept. Just like the man in the story, may Jesus take you aside now, made for a relationship. That which has been spoiled and broken, put back together, called good, by a God who wants to know you. Lord, would you just release faith now in hearts of those that don't yet know you. If you know you need to begin to follow Jesus this morning, just while everyone's got their eyes closed, would you just put your hand up high for me so I can see? We'd love to pray with you. I think that's a hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Just put your hand up high if you've not yet begun following Jesus. It's great. If the majority here are already Christ followers, fabulous. Be encouraged. Please come and see me when we pray in a moment. For those of us who are disciples, the Lord's opening up. Can we lift our hands to God? Coming to you again, Lord Jesus. What are you opening up at the start of this term? God, as we approach this prayer week, as we preach this series, as we run towards the Love Crawley weekend, Lord, our prayer is that you would open up the kingdom. Lord, may this morning, may we look back on this morning as one of those let your kingdom come on the earth as it is in heaven moments. Lord, may we begin now in this summer to lean into the kingdom purpose of God. Could we catch your authority? Lord, would you speak a command over our ordinary lives and over this ordinary church and this town? Be open to the kingdom of God in a new way. Let, it, let the kingdom open and unfold more fully, more evidently, in and through our lives this summer. We, we agree that promise in Revelation 3.8 where you say, I have set before you an open door which no man can shut. Oh God, thank you, you've got your foot in the door. Would you bring us through it now into greater kingdom realities? Lord, these signs, Lord, they're evident for us. The door's been opened. The deaf hear. The lame leap. Those that can't speak, speak. Those that have been bound up, set free. Lord, we thank you. At the start of this year, you reminded us Elsewhere from Isaiah, uh, do we not perceive it? Do we not believe it? Do we not see? You're already doing a new thing. It's already sprouting up. It's already opened up. Lord, you're already doing a new thing. We, we're so grateful for what you've done, even over these last 10 to 12 weeks. We've got, but Lord, we're asking you for more. Open up. Be open, kingdom of God, amongst us, Lord. May we grow, Lord God. May we grow. Teach us, Lord, to walk with this authority as we walk through your kingdom doors. Lord, we've got so much to learn, so much to learn, Lord God, but we thank you that you walk with us. You're such a good father. You're so ready. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Use our stories, Lord. Some that are, have got amazing stories but are afraid to speak them out. Lord, would you breathe courage into them this morning? Oh, thank you. Lord, may they find, like Chris yesterday, just some shortcuts 
just believe some of you, God's giving you shortcuts. You've, you've thought that, that your, ne- your story is never going to get worked out in terms of seeing people come to Jesus. But it's going to be like you just run across a lake and suddenly I found myself able to share my story, finding people engaging with Jesus through my life. Lord, would you give some shortcuts to people who thought I could never do it? Some water-walking moments. Would you release with courage and honesty just simple life stories of where Jesus has changed us? Out of our mouths, Lord. Loosen our tongues, we pray. Lord, that people may remark all around Crawley, wow, Jesus does things well. Jesus does things well. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's an opening up season.